song. I love it. I know. I was singing it before uh, we started recording. Getting, getting razzle-jazzled. Uh, welcome to this episode of So What Do You Do? Where myself and Joyce talk to different people about their jobs and we learn about different ways there are to make money. My name is Jen Staben. And this is uh, <laughs> this is the first episode that Joyce and I are recording where we are both women back at work, working women. We're working, working women, women. girl bosses, girl oh. bosses, oh uh, boss bitch. Um, mm. I'm just mm. trying to think of all the reductress articles I can think of. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> I think I'm I feel like I'm trying to compensate with energy uh because I'm now working and so <laughs> and I don't I'm like I got a nap all the time. I don't know what's wrong with me. Do you think it's the job? No, I always nap. <laughs> I always nap. I think it's the, I think they say it's healthy to nap though. Who's they? Um the universe? I don't know. <laughs> I I feel like I always share one anecdote about something I talked to with my therapist. And I had this, I feel like every time things start going right, just shit starts going wrong. And so I remember distinctly, there was a moment like three years ago, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I'm working out and I feel like work is going well and everything's great. And then like, bam, COVID. And then everything kind of went to shit. And then I felt like that was happening again, like this past December. And then like, bam, I got COVID. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my therapist. I was just like, I feel superstitious because I feel like every time I mentally say, hey, things are going better, things start going bad. And she's like, I don't, I don't think the universe wants that. Like the universe does, doesn't make bad things happen because you mm -hmm. think. And I was like, well. I hope so. I hope I think a lot of people cool feel like that. that way, though. You know, like a lot of people have that either superstition or what have you. Do you? Um, not. I mean, like, I like I do think that what goes up must come down sometimes, right? But yeah. like, I'm not like afraid to say like, oh, I'm doing really well because like, there's always something that can improve right yeah like really. I, like i don't think I, I don't think i've ever been at a point where i'm like yeah i'm on top of the world and everything is perfect you know what i mean i want to i want that energy for you <laughs> okay just wait just wait one of these days i'll i'll call you and i'll be like jen i'm on top of the world and everything is perfect <laughs> I, I want you to have like true uh, man doing a podcast energy about you. Just oh. like, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. any any thought I say is fucking excellent. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I, there's this new uh, filter on TikTok where it makes you look like you have a beard. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Have you seen all the like women who are yeah. every like doing uh, an impression of a male podcaster? It's like, Women be uh women be asking to I don't even know. Women be asking them. <laughs> oh man. It's it's so good. That whole genre of like women making fun of misogynistic men is like oh god, food for my soul, man. I mean, we bring her up more than once, but Drew Offalo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. She's queen. She's, She's queen the of queen. Um well, I'm going to do a very obtrusive – no, wait. Back that up. I had a thought. Now this is getting bad. Okay. I was going to make a segue, yeah, and, it was, and it wasn't going to be subtle. I was going to say, we're going to talk to the queen of the skies. Uh, Ooh, and yeah. then I, like, I got lost in it, but queen of the skies, we are so lucky to have as a guest today a former flight attendant – and currently a commercial pilot. Ooh. Welcome to the show, Serena. Woo -woo. 
Well, hello. That's quite a title. <laughs> Queen of the <laughs> Did you like our segue? <laughs> I'm sorry it took me 10 seconds to get there. <laughs> I always love our smooth landing of segues. You- landing? Yeah, did you see did you see what I did? <laughs> Talking about smooth landings. Serena. Okay, so background. Serena and I went to high school together. Uh, which was two which years was, ago. Like, which yeah, was like two, a day ago. <laughs> which mm-hmm. was a day ago. We're like totally not allowed to drink. And um, <laughs> but Serena, um, I you're I gotta say, like, you're are one of the few people on Facebook where like I could care to I like I was the only thing I cared about was like, okay, like where is she now? Like you're a, like you're in Honolulu, like you were a flight attendant and you were traveling everywhere. And so your content was phenomenal, but like, (laughs) talk to us about, uh, talk to us about your career. Like, how did you get into this? I feel like, especially with the insanity that's going on in the skies right now, like, you know, people are thinking about this job. Uh, but like, yeah, I asked you 10 questions, but um, wherever you want to start. Um, okay, let's start with how I got into it in the first place. So after high school, which was like a day ago, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I went to college, got my degree in basically fashion merchandising, oh. did the nine to five thing, hated it, mm. ended up bartending for a long time. And I went, moved back out to San Diego and I reconnected with another one of our high school friends, Dina who was a flight attendant for a major airline. And I just remember seeing all of her Facebook content, her, you know, <laughs> having boyfriends in Sydney and sailing in Hong Kong. And I'm like, wait, I want to do that. Um, so we went out and got coffee and I was just like, how do I become you? And at the time, it happened to be the first year that American Airlines was hiring since September 11th. Oh, um, yeah, they had massive layoffs and furloughed everybody and had to recall them. And they finally reached the end of the recall list and started hiring again. So she's like, great time, go in, apply, see what happens. And they got like 100,000 applications and wow. hired 1,400 people. <gasps> Wait, so- and so you were on that, you were in the 1,400? Yeah, they said you had a better chance of getting accepted to Harvard like four times over, like just statistically, which I think it's just luck of the draw. I think I just had a good recruiter. I don't know. Um, You kind of just get picked or you don't get picked. Uh, (laughs) So, um, yeah, I started doing that and um, it was pretty awesome. (laughs) And talk to us about the, the transition to the commercial pilot. Yeah, so after being a flight attendant for quite a few years, Uh, people kind of started chatting more about, well, how come you're not trying to be a pilot? You know, there's only 7% of female uh, pilots in aviation, which is such a crazy small number. And so I was getting pushed from a lot of different directions to look into it. So I did. And it's, you know, from the outside looking in, just like, you know, surface level uh, research, I guess, I realized it's so expensive. I could not afford this. So I kind of pushed it off for another couple of years until I started talking to more people and realized that there's actually other ways to go about getting your pilot's license and all the certifications that isn't some crazy six-figure immersive school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started looking into that a little bit more, and this happened to be right during COVID. So oh. um, yeah, so I was like, cool, great timing. I got <laughs> furloughed from my job, had nothing else to do. And I was like, well, let's just give this a try and see what happens. So I did, I dug in, trained every single day and got my private pilot's license uh, within like two months and just loved it. And so I just kept going and you know, bagging all the other ratings until the point where I was a commercially rated pilot. Wow. Jeez. So that That's- transition is fairly common then? Going from um, independent to pilot? A lot. It's, it, I mean, yes and no, because we all talk about it with each other all the time and we have Facebook pages for it. And I admin a Facebook page specifically for flight attendants that are trying to become pilots. And there's like, I don't know, six or 700 of us on this Facebook page. Wow. Um, not all of them actually go on to do it because it really does come down to um, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. How do you finance it or fund it? Having the time to do it. Uh, for me, being off for COVID was a blessing. Mm-hmm. If I were trying to still work full time and train full time, it would have taken me four times longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to 
your work as a flight attendant and this uh, this recruitment po- process. So is that how it would be today if someone wanted to go into this field? Yeah, I'm not sure what the numbers are right now of how many applications they're getting. And all the airlines kind of open and close their hiring windows. So they'll get mm-hmm. flooded all at once and they'll sort through them and do their training classes for the year. And then they'll you know close it off and start the whole process all over again. With COVID, there's been a lot of hiring again because a lot of people took the early retirement options or like just these buyouts. So now that travels back up and running pretty much full percent, they're realizing that they're short staffed. Mm -hmm. So there's been a huge hiring spree right now. And is it, what would you say the reason is that it is such a sought after position, like 100,000 applications, 1,400 people being accepted. Like, that's insane. Like, can you talk a little bit more about what that, what fuels that drive? Yeah. So there's really no, um, you know, you don't have to have a degree. Um, There's no degree requirement. You don't have to have any previous training. You don't need to go to some, you know, school in Florida Mm -hmm. and pay to get trained in something. You can come, come into this industry with zero experience. So that's really enticing for a lot of people. And it's also a good option for people who may be retired from a career. You know, we had one mm. guy in my training class who was a retired cop and he just wasn't done working. Mm-hmm. So he was, you know, living off a pension and then also going to training to be a flight attendant. <laughs> so wow. it's a great second career for a lot of people too. Wow. And is it, I, I don't know how to, you know, ask the gauche question, but like, is it the pay or is it the perks of being able to travel? Like, what is it that you you find really intrigues people about the role? I think it's more so the perks and the pay can vary pretty vastly between if you're working for a regional or if you're working for like a private jet or if you're working for a main line like American United Delta, um, almost all of them are unionized. So you do have these like set in stone pay scales that they negotiate. So new hires right out the gate, the pay isn't amazing for the time that you're putting in, you know, getting to work. We don't get paid during boarding or deplaning. So when you're junior, Mm. you have a lot of time where you're up and down and up and down. You're not getting paid for any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So starting out, it's really grueling and it's tough and you're on call. But as you progress, um, let's say for American, for example, when you're at the top of the pay scale after 13 years, you're making over $68 an hour. Hmm. So if you're flying, you know, a really high time trip like Hong Kong, that's say 29 hours round trip, 29 times, you know, 70 something with the international pay, you're sitting pretty after a couple days of work. Yeah. I mean, and is it like... Is it like a normal week where it's like you like you're working five days and you're off two roughly, or like does it change every single week? Yeah, it changes. And again, I can't speak to every airline because they right. tend to have a different like reserve system where you're on call. Um, but you know, it could be where you have four on, three off. You know, six on, two off. You always get a legal rest in between so many days. And then once you get to a certain point in your seniority where you can really start to pick and choose what you're doing, you could um, work two days a week. You could work six days Hmm. straight and then take three weeks off. Hmm. That sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) uh, So American used to have it where you only had to work so many hours a year to maintain um, health insurance and all that kind of stuff. And so I would just work my ass off for like three months straight, hit my minimums, and then I would just take months off. I went to Costa Rica for three months. I went to Easter Island for a month. And I would just keep traveling and staying away until I couldn't get rid of my trips anymore and had to come home. (laughs) Dude, Jen, we we need to change our jobs. Yeah. (laughs) What did we do? (laughs) I don't know how exactly it works, but there – you are able to kind of fly whenever you want, or is there restrictions to that? Like on your time off? In, on your time off, yeah. Um, yeah, it, the world is your oyster. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with American, I travel on American and all the domestic airlines for free. So if yeah. I needed to hop on United to go visit my family in Chicago or something like that, it's free. And then when we fly international, you just pay the taxes. So, um, you know, round trip to London might be like a hundred bucks. Oh, 
And then if you get first class, it's like 250. Oh, did you always go first class? Um, there's certain routes where you kind of figure it out and you know that they're going to be open. Um, mm-hmm. and so you strategize, but as airlines started to get more competitive and drop the prices on things, flights are always full. So you end up getting mm-hmm. stuck in Dallas for like five days and then your vacation's canceled. <laughs> so oh, it's like man. almost not even a perk sometimes, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's hit or miss. You got to like go to Paris in February when no one else is going. Wow. Well, I, I I wanted to actually go back to what you were saying about you lead a Facebook group of like 600, 700 people who are flight attendants looking to be a pilot. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so what – like you said that there's a lot of like tr- like training that's involved in, in like expensive schooling. Um, does your group focus on like somehow supporting that training or like what, what does the, the group um, focus on specifically in terms of that transition? Yeah, so we share resources, like if someone joins and they're in Vegas, and they're like, hey, living in Vegas, looking for somewhere to do my training, where do y'all recommend? And then maybe mm-hmm. another flight attendant will be like, well, hey, I live in Vegas, I'm an instructor, come fly with me. And, you know, sometimes they'll fly with each other for free, or discounted rates, or whatever it may be. Um, but it's mostly connecting with each other and say someone's like, hey, I have a layover in Miami, does anybody fly in Miami? And Ashley's like, hey, I'm a CFI in Miami, come fly with me. So it's a cool way to network with each other. Uh, We share a lot of links to scholarships that are available. Oh, nice. Um, And then, yeah, just a lot of our journey and how we did what we did and tips and tricks for, you know, getting the the cost down. Oh, wow. That's that's still so interesting to me that, like, that transition is such a – or not common, but it's, like, commonly talked about thing. Um, Because, I like, I, I kind of saw those two jobs as – very different for some reason I don't know like I, I think it's because it's like one is like spending time with the the customers and the other one is like moving heavy plane. machinery or something <laughs> you know like just wildly different I feel like it wasn't really talked about much the first like three or four years of my career and maybe oh. it's one of those things when like you start to pay attention to it you see it everywhere maybe that's mm. just why I started noticing it more often But I think a big part of it, too, is the past few years, they've really been talking about a pilot shortage. Uh And so it really kind of um, lights the fire under you to be like, yeah, if I do this, I'm going to move up through seniority much quicker than the people before me. So it kind of has more incentive to jump in and do it now than maybe it did five, 10 years ago when there was slower movement, you weren't getting from the regionals to the mainline quite as quickly and you're making less money. Um, now there's all these insane like sign-on and retention bonuses. So it's just a really hot time right now because the industry is going to be crippled by the shortage. I see. I see. There isn't yeah. enough supply for it. Interesting. So then like like commercial airline, like commercial pilot, I guess, um, that's like flying the 747s that carry all the people, right? Um, yeah, so the term commercial pilot it kind of has a few facets to it. So in the ba- most basic way to say it is you can get paid to fly. And whether that's flying a tiny little 172, mm-hmm. doing um, tours of Lake Tahoe, or if it's flying a 747, you're still a commercial pilot. Mm-hmm. But to work for the airlines like that, there's additional ratings that you need to get. One of them's called um, an ATP so it is more steps you have to take, more training. Um, but at the end of the day, they're all called a commercial pilot. Got it. Hmm. And is that what you're kind of going for? Like, do you want to be flying for like a big airline? So <laughs> <laughs> I did. That was definitely the track I thought I was on. And that's the track that everybody talks about, especially in the airlines when you're already a flight attendant doing this all day, hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And I just started to get really burnt out. Uh, the airlines mm. are tough. It, with COVID, it's been crazy. Yeah. Uh, passengers have lost their damn minds. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, was, I was getting really burnt out. And I was just trying to miss being home. You know, it sounds crazy. Like, I could just go pop off to Paris, but I'd rather just, like, sit in bed with my dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, and I just started thinking, like, is there a different career path where I'm not gone and at the mercy of weather and mechanicals and reassignments and just having some kind of stability and a routine mm-hmm. and going to yoga Friday nights, like just 
you know, just the things that you almost miss with a nine to five. And I'm, I'm going to eat my words real soon, but um, <laughs> <laughs> end up finding a job that is very nine to five. And that's kind of their business model going forward. And it just seemed really enticing. And so I'm giving this a shot and I'm really happy so far. And if I ever change my mind, I do always have the options to go back to the airlines and deal with all that insanity. Mm, interesting. So let's talk about that side of it because there are the uh, the perks, the, the the desirability of the role. But what comes to mind when I think about the actuality of doing the role, specifically talking flight attendant, is uh, the customers and like oh, and- my dog's about to lose <laughs> shit. Hold on. Hey, 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 relax. Relax. Did he run out of his cheesy tro- toys? <laughs> yeah, let me see where they went with those things. Hey guys, where's your cheese? Where's your cheese? Oh, there's your cheese. Here you go. Look, cheese. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Hopefully that'll work. <laughs> We're we'll, we'll always accept the dog interlude. Um, so um. The, 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 the challenges of the job, right? Like mm-hmm. there's just like base level customer service, but like that's on steroids for being, uh, thousands of feet in the air with people that like truly have lost their minds. Like I, there's, if there's ever been an indication that there's a mental health, like crisis, uh, it is the airlines showing what people are like doing up there. But, but even mm. just like the, the scary stuff that happens in the air, like emergency landings and all of that stuff. And like, what can you talk about balancing that side? Or is like, how do you like, does that stuff just become, you know, you mm-hmm. get used to it? Like mm-hmm. talk to us about it. Yeah. So the emergency stuff is very, very far and few between. Um, in mm. almost nine years, I had one instance that resulted in an emergency landing, and it's because they lost power to one of the engines. Oh. And they call back to us, and this is, oh my God, I was like two weeks on the line, a brand oh new, God. brand new baby new hire. And <laughs> the, the pilots call back, and they're like, hey, so we lost one of our engines. We're going to oh, no run the checklist and try and get it restarted. But go ahead and prepare the cabin for landing because we're going to divert to Nashville. And I was like, cool. Okay. Because I don't even mm. understand what that means. So, oh, <laughs> so um, yeah, we just, you know, I start picking up in the cabin and collecting all the trash. The other flight attendant lost her fucking mind. She was like oh, screaming no. and running up and down. And I see everybody watching her and they're right. like feeding off of her energy. And I'm just like, oh my God. So they end up doing their little checklist and they restart the engine, call back like, hey, everything's good, but we're going to land anyway because we want to get this looked at. So just let me know. So cool, land anyway. And then they check it out and we continue on to our final destination. Everything's good. So that was the only time I've never had a medical emergency. Well, wait, there was one medical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one medical. Landing. <laughs> I, I don't want to jinx you by putting this on a podcast. So um, I don't want it to be like a week later. It's like, yes, yeah, so there was a thing that happened. Um, but okay, so that's, of course, it happened when you were two weeks in. Of course. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> And I always look to the flight attendants when things are getting bumpy and uh, and they're like just walking around like it ain't no thing. Like, mm-hmm. so like, give me an insider track on that. Are you guys like, oh gosh, this is like a little rough, but we have to be cool. Or is it truly we've seen everything? Like, unless it, there's an actual thing. Yeah, I think gonna... we truly have seen everything. Turbulence, not a big deal. It only becomes a big deal if we're up and about trying to get stuff done with the heavy carts in the aisle, because that is serious. You know, there could be severe turbulence that could cause like the hot coffee on the top of the cart to fall over on somebody or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So we really mm-hmm. do you know, we're expeditious to put everything away, lock it all up and sit down because if we get injured on the job, it's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that, we do take it seriously, but it's not like a scary event for us. You know, turbulence is usually pretty standard stuff. Um, Emergency landings, medicals, it's usually pretty standard stuff. Oh, and can I ask, um, when the the seatbelt sign goes off, right? Like when you're like cruising at altitude, like, 
what are the pilots doing? Um, <laughs> do they like are like because are they still like pressing all the buttons and like you know like using the little like driving tool thing or is it just like autopilot? <laughs> and just, like <laughs> I don't know what it's um, called. Yeah, <laughs> but- they, yeah, they definitely go into autopilot mode and just kick back. <laughs> They do? So they're just like like playing games and whatever. <laughs> um, they're still paying attention because they're, they're still constantly on the radio, um, checking in with different centers and different controllers. So they're still always doing something, but they rarely hand fly after a certain point. They do kick on that autopilot. It's kind of yeah. expected to keep the plane within certain tolerances and parameters. Um, yeah. So it's I, I think a lot of them just put on their oxygen and just try not to have to talk to each other. <laughs> oh, they put in their oxygen. Yeah, over certain altitudes, at least one has to be on oxygen at all times. Um, and sometimes they do that. They both will put it on because they just—I mean, sometimes you get personalities up there that you just don't want to be stuck with for six hours. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. I mean, think about it—you're like- stuck up there. Like at least with the flight attendants, if I don't like the girl up front, I can go hang out in the back with the other two flight attendants. Like I can get my space. Those right. guys. Or girls, look at me. Look at me. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Using the gender terms. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is so – oh, my gosh. This is so satisfying. Because (laughs) – To know? Yeah. Now, the customers. uh, So, like, how much do their antics kind of – affect your day-to-day like is it are we seeing the extremes I mean it sounds like it's happening way more often but like talk to us about um uh people going bananas up in the air um and how that affects you like because really like if someone's listening to this being like oh my gosh like this sounds great I want to travel that sounds amazing, like, you know, but it's like, I think at the end of the day, this is a big barrier, I think, for some people is like, I don't think I could deal with that. Yeah, so you're definitely hearing the most sensationalized stories. Um, they're not as common. The media is just obsessed with aviation for some reason. I don't know what it is, but it just... They're seems- jealous. <laughs> they're jealous. <laughs> yeah, so you, you really see the worst of the worst. Um, and again, in almost nine years of flying, I've only had to almost call the cops on one person. And she ended up getting her shit together because she did not the cops called on her. Mm. And everything was fine. So um, I've definitely had some interesting experiences. I've definitely had a lot of really exhausting days. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm an empath. So like it, it really weighs on me when I just have a lot of people that just have a lot of negative energy or they're just in shit moods and taking it out on you. Yeah. And then you even have crew who are just having a terrible day and they're taking it out on you. But then for the most part, people are just delightful, Mm. especially during COVID. I've had so many people bring us chocolates and cookies Mm. and like little thank you cards. Like they're just so appreciative that we actually showed up. (laughs) So for the most part, I mean, I really enjoyed my job. I never dreaded going to work. Even on the worst days when I was just drained, I still didn't hate it. Mm. That's amazing. That's amazing to have that. Yeah, that's so sweet. Um, okay, I'm curious. What airport is the most trash in your mind? If you're allowed to say that. Which one? La Garbage. LaGuardia. LaGuardia. <laughs> that that airport is so stupid. <laughs> so I don't know about the other terminals, but American actually did a really beautiful remodeling. So it's kind of hard to still say that about it. So I think second choice is Philadelphia. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> wait. My gosh. I'm loving that they're like, it sounds like everyone's got a name. <laughs> no, that just might be the only two that I can think of. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> or um, Newark is Seward. Newark. Oh. oh. <laughs> wait. Wait. Okay. Denver Airport. You've heard the things, right? Yes. Oh, I love it. I love all the conspiracy theories. Wait, what? Joyce, have you heard about this? I have not heard this. Oh, 
I mean, Serena, I don't know what you know. I just know that it is apparently like the cabal is like under the Denver airport and like it is like the like it's like Satan. the headquarters of Illuminati. Yes. Oh. And like the there's this Mustang that's on the outskirts of the airport and its eyes glow red all of the time. <laughs> a Mustang like a car. Horse? I am sorry, not um which is wait, uh it's a Mustang horse, but S- Serena, wait. We so we, our our uh our mascot in high school was the Mustang. <laughs> and but did you ever hear that like for like one year it was like the car? Like our must like it was not while we were there, obviously, but like when it was like, you know, because we were just there like last year. But yeah. like in the 70s, it was like the mascot was actually the Mustang car. Really? <laughs> I don't know if I made that up. Uh <laughs> but so so it. this Mustang is part of the Illuminati. That's the, that's the thing. Yeah. And there's this like horse? this really satanic mural. Um, have you seen that mural, Serena? Yeah, there's okay. So you can go down a whole rabbit hole of this kind of stuff. Of, yeah. Um, like the Mustang that's outside, like allegedly fell on the person who was constructing it and killed mm-hmm. him or something. And um, I don't know, but it's funny because obviously they're aware of it and they were doing construction through a lot of their terminals and those like stanchions that they put up or whatever they're called the like big things to block your view so you can't see what they're doing in the construction areas mm-hmm. they have the funniest marketing campaigns on those um where they would like put on there like a cool new area to hang out or area 52 <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i love that they embraced it so they had like one that was like a like a construction hat with the illuminati logo on it and it said construction or cover-up <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! But I highly recommend just taking a whole day and a glass of wine and just like <laughs> reading into all the cra- like. There's supposedly like millions of miles of underground tunnels, and I don't even know. Yeah, Wait, I don't. I actually don't know this. Are are airports run by the city? Hmm. That's or a great question. I don't know that. Owned. I want to say yeah, but I so can't say that with conviction. Yeah, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So it's like taxpayer money? I want to say yes. Um, because I remember when I was doing my parking for Chicago Airport, it was like through the city of Chicago, which of course meant really long lines and eight days to get something done that could have taken 12 minutes. Got him. <laughs> Nailed him. Oh, well, and also, I feel like everyone was giving um, – uh, uh, whoever the last mayor of New York was, some shit for installing, and this might have been in the American uh, Airlines terminal, the that fountain, um, that like there's this new beautiful fountain in LaGuardia, and everyone was giving the mayor shit for using taxpayer money on that because it's like, yeah, that was the problem. There wasn't a fountain, you know. It's like, um, so. But that's a great question. I've never thought about that. I want to say yes. And um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's taxpayer money. It's publicly owned. and But the airlines themselves are privately owned. Yeah. And the airlines do pay a lot of money to operate out of an airport. So I don't really know how much oh. it would be coming from the taxpayers, more so mm. than coming from the airlines who want to maintain their gates. But this maybe it's like this the city will pay for expansions because if you have more airlines coming in, then you have more tourists, and that could then uh-huh. increase money. Yeah, Chicago was supposed to be doing some or O'Hare uh, should have been doing some kind of humongous expansion that I think got postponed with COVID. Mm. Um, gosh, I wonder if I can Google it real quick of how much it was going to be. It was going to be massive. Super interesting. So uh, 8.5 billion dollar expansion to be oh, delayed yes. with a B. <laughs> wow. Now, wait, on the flip side, do you have a favorite airport? Mm. Oh, that's tough. I like Palm Springs because it's really cute when you walk out and you're like kind of outdoors and there's palm trees and string mm. lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No Epstein though. <laughs> Oh, Epstein's <laughs> gonna kill himself. <laughs> <Aye>. <laughs> uh, 
Joyce, are you in on the Epstein conspiracies? No, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, this whole this whole like like genre of like <laughs> podcasts and Netflix shows, I'm like, uh, I think I'm okay. <laughs> oh, I love them. I know, I know. A lot of people do. <laughs> love them, love them, love them. Um, okay, so now we are uh, now we're transitioning into your moving away from being a flight attendant, and now you're getting into becoming a commercial pilot. And it sounds like also with this um, this gig that you have, there's kind of a lot of things that you're doing. So, do you want to talk about what a day is like or what a week is like? Whatever makes sense in that current role that you're in um yeah so this is kind of kind of a weird role because this is almost a startup it's joby aviation um Mm. they're probably the first ones and maybe the only ones anytime soon that will be getting authorization to fly um it's an electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft um yeah so it's like a hybrid between a helicopter and an airplane like an osprey i guess like a military Uh osprey where Uh um, it tilts and can go straight up and it's electric so you know zero emissions all that cool stuff and carrying carrying people yeah so what joby is doing is they partnered with uber elevate and they're going to be doing a ride share so you'll be able to go on an app and hail a vertical takeoff vehicle and it'll whisk you from point A to point B. And um, yeah, so they're on a really awesome track to get that out to the public within the next couple of years. What? So That's my the future. Role, I, I know it really is. It's a billions and billions dollar industry. There's so many other companies that are trying to do this. They're trying to go fully automated, like robotic, basically, where there's no pilot. Um, and that's going to take a lot longer for the FAA to give the okay on and for the general public to be okay with. Mm-hmm. So Joby is doing theirs with an actual pilot, um, at least mm-hmm. for the first few years until they don't need the pilot anymore. Um, and would you be flying these planes? That's my goal. Yeah. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah. So right now, because there's just a lot to do on the ground level of developing this entire organization. Um, my job's a lot of like commercial operations stuff. Um, but ideally what their big picture is, it's to kind of almost have like a nine to five for the pilots. Like they're going to operate oh. during certain business hours. They're not going to have these crazy 2 a.m. on-demand flights. You're not going to be going to all these obscure cities. You're going to be coming back to your home base every day. You're going to have, you know, normal schedule, a salary, and so they're really trying to appeal to the demographic that was never able to consider this career, like mothers, mm-hmm. families, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of women, that's why they don't become pilots because they have kids to raise and they can't fathom being gone three to five days a week. And then something happens with weather. Now you're gone six days, seven yeah. days and your sitter can't watch the kids anymore. I mean, this really kind of bridges the gap between a traditional nine to five and still having the excitement of being a pilot. And flying really cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. So their um, their outreach is really to reach um, women, minorities, underserved communities. Uh, they're building their entire flight school to train pilots because they realize that they're competing with a worldwide shortage. So how do they enter the market with a shortage and need pilots for their vehicles? So they're starting their own aviation academy where they'll mm. train pilots from zero hours to flying one of our aircraft. Oh. Wow. And that's so interesting too, because I didn't realize until you explained it today that it was such a financial investment to become a pilot. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that 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 just excludes so many people. And it sounds like this is trying to take a different angle at that. Yeah. And they're, um, you know, they're really, really passionate about what you just said about making it more accessible and getting the cost down. So they're doing some really creative things to try and make training as cheap as possible and to really um, make this a viable option for a lot of people. So hmm. this this company, their position is that um, even if if it can be like autonomously flown, the their solution is to have um, people pilot these aer- airplanes. 
Yep. It helps them to get certification faster. And it also helps to build confidence from the general public because I don't know how many people are ready to hop into an airplane with a robot necessarily. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> people won't even do that with cars necessarily yes. yet. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, someday they are going to taper off and go that direction as it becomes more commonplace. Um, but they, they really understand how important it is in the beginning to have an actual human factor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts on like, like seeing, like thinking into the future, like 10 plus years or whatever, um, when people are just like hailing helicopters or whatever, what, like the way we hail Ubers, like what are, what are your feelings around that? I think it's, I think it's going to happen really fast and it's going to be very popular and really well accepted because if you think about how shitty America is with connecting cities, like we don't have a great yes. train system like Europe, Yeah, you know, and it's, it's such a bitch to try and get from say LA to, um, to Marina or Monterey, like where I live. Um, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm, right. You know, it's usually a, a, not a direct airport to airport. There's going to mm-hmm. be some kind of car involved. Um, so it's, we're going to start to see the ability to connect these smaller towns, these like smaller mm-hmm. metropolitan areas, um, even major one to major one that just aren't currently serviced by airlines. Right. Um, gosh, I wish I knew the statistic off the top of my head. It was something like only 170 airports have major airlines or something like that. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I'll have to find that. So don't quote me. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're being recorded, so... <laughs> <laughs> So you just quoted me. Cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> quoted. Um, yeah, I think I think as people start to want to travel more and the prices start to come down because obviously electric is cheaper to operate. Right. Um, it's going to make it more accessible for more people to go places. And there's going to be more of a need for more of these vehicles. And there'll probably be thousands and thousands of these. And you'll see in the news that there's airlines like United. Um, who's already invested in companies like this because that's their plan is to right. connect like little regionals essentially into their major airports. And then from there you jet off to Hong Kong on one of their supersonic jets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how do you, how do you like, what's the, uh, I'm like just thinking about like, how do you support like the, the infrastructure that allows for that? So for instance, like in the air, you don't have roads, right? <laughs> And kind of. Oh, maybe you do. Oh. You know, we actually kind of have roads. Oh. Yeah, they're airways. I think you oh, just blew Joyce's mind. <laughs> I didn't think about that because I was like, oh, my gosh, there's going to be so many collisions because people are going to be, like, <laughs> calling all these Uber flights out everywhere and, like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, oh, yeah. you know, but then you can actually... also loft it, too, because then you've got different levels. Right, like, right, right. Yeah, so at all the different levels, there's different airways and there's waypoints, which are like little GPS spots in the sky. And um, there's a certain distance from the waypoints and from the airways that you can be. And there currently are ones in use for, you know, drone operations and helicopters and airplanes. And they're labeled a little bit differently on these maps that we use for navigation. Mm. So we're using the currently existing infrastructure for all of that. So we don't need to um, rewrite any rules. We're just following what's there. Oh, interesting. And like, and and um, I know that there's like for each airport, there's like a controller that kind of manages all the logistics of that. But that can be automated, is what you're saying. Um, wait, which part? Not the air air traffic controllers, because aren't those like those are the type of people where it's like if they are working like nonstop, it's like they literally have to halt all flights because it's so serious. Yeah, those people are so impressive. Like that's that's a tough job. You should get one of those people on your show because wow, Um, it's yeah. When things get crazy and hectic, like they it's like an orchestra to them. It's incredible. But Mm -hmm. yeah, they're already Mm -hmm. in place in a lot of these major airports and even some of the smaller ones. They have um, somebody working in a tower, kind of helping to direct traffic and especially in bad like bad weather. Um, Yeah. yeah. Wait, but what what would be their equivalent in this future world? I mean, I could. They probably are still needed. just at like different stations almost like because there's always going to have to be a human element with or it feels like it right but mm-hmm. what i'm saying is that like if there's like if you can ha- if you could hail a helicopter at any point 
Mm. Like it's not like there's like a state a central station, right? So where there's like low, an air traffic controller. Yeah. So depending gosh, this gets complicated. So there's airspace. There's A, B, C, D, E airspaces. And um if you're not inside of say like a Bravo, which is like San Francisco, where it's really mm-hmm. busy airports, if you're not yeah. inside of their veil and you're out, say, um, uh, let's see, where I, I guess, you know, where I am right now, like we're outside mm-hmm. of that. So if you stay under a certain altitude, you don't have to talk to anybody. Hmm. You're just a lawless cowboy flying around, you know, 1500 feet above the ground. You don't even need to have a radio technically. Um, but once you get to a certain altitude or you get within a certain range, then you do have to start talking. So mm. you can right off the bat, you can file a flight plan and let these traffic controllers know like, Hey, I'm here. I'm departing this spot. I'm going to this spot and I'm going to take this basically GPS route to get there. Then they know to watch out for you and talk to you and everything else. Um, mm. if you want to be lawless, you can just skirt under all of that and go from point A to point B and not talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there seems like there would be uh, like a point in time where that would have to stop if if there's a like lot a, more people lot, were yeah. flying. Yeah, mm-hmm. if we have like thousands of these flying cars, like they're gonna have to. Yeah, they'll probably have to do something. They'll probably have to be required to, like I said, file that flight plan so yeah. air traffic control knows like who's going where. Because I'm thinking like total Jetsons situation that's what i'm thinking too exactly well that's why i was like there like you can even get to a point where that's automated if there Mm -hmm. are like systems already in place which it sounds like there are yeah i was gonna ask if you were to go back and be a flight attendant would you do it for a spacecraft that was going out into outer space because it seems like that's gonna become a thing within our lifetime is just like going into outer space just as a tourist. Yeah, it probably would. <laughs> would you be intro- would you want to do it or would you just be like next frontier I should? I think it'd be fun. I don't know, I guess it depends. I think it sounds fun. I think especially because it's going to be a better oops, how do I put this? <laughs> the people on board Uh-oh. who can afford that are probably a little <laughs> more tolerable to work with. <laughs> what about cuz okay, isn't isn't it like true well, okay, I was actually going to ask this. Do you know anyone that does flight attending for Spirit Airlines? No. Is mm. it like crazy in Spirit Airlines though from what you can tell? Probably. <laughs> I see all the memes, yeah. <laughs> I I flew them once not knowing and like my flight got canceled and they were just like <laughs> fuck off and <laughs> I, uh and, and like you know you kind of have to get dead inside a little bit as like the person that's the face of the company when so many bad things happen um but uh, but actually on that same side i feel like rich people can be like real freaking pricks too yeah oh for sure that's very true <laughs> they're just and assholes they're- in a different way yeah. But they're not – that doesn't kind of come up in, like, first class, for instance? I mean, it has, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. For sure, yeah. Not majority. Not majority, no. Yeah, okay. I think okay. Learning, most part, people are pretty nice. I think everyone is just – has the ability to be an asshole, and we just all need to keep our shit together. Um, exactly. That's everything – like, every – gosh – we all just lost our minds uh, with this global pandemic and, uh, you know. And a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, usually uh, we're sponsored by uh, something or other. So this time we're sponsored by uh, SpaceX. Should... Oh. oh, I was going to say Uber because we <laughs> dropped their name a ton. Yeah, we dropped their name a ton. Um uh, but I also want like Elon Musk to call you, Serena, and just be like, "Yeah, you're gonna be my number one flight attendant." <laughs> I'm his number you're- one pilot. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am the problem. Nothing wrong with being a flight attendant, but I spent a lot of money to be a pilot. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Now, do you think that being a pilot for space travel will be different than? airline travel i doubt they're even gonna have pilots that shit's gonna be automated 
<laughs> I don't trust the automation. And I feel like that's going to be the thing, like our generation, we're very young. We just graduated high school, so we're not that old. But when we do become old, I feel like that's going to be the thing that like our generation is like, I don't trust that automation. And it's like, grandma. <laughs> You're not going to trust humans because humans are more likely to have errors than this like pristine design little robot eventually when they like work out all the bugs, right? But then they're going to kill us, those robots. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm all, and they're gonna be like grandma the robots aren't gonna kill us and they're like you're being really ignorant about robots and I'm like I don't care what you say I don't trust those robots oh my, oh my gosh I'm gonna be the problem uh, oh my goodness and they're like uh wow okay so okay Serena for someone that wants to become a flight attendant or someone that wants to become a commercial pilot what would your advice be to them okay Flight attendant, just keep an eye out on the different airlines. Obviously, I recommend working for a main line like a United, Delta, American, because you fly to way more cooler places. Um, but if you just want the lifestyle, the flexibility, and the travel benefits, then by all means, apply for a regional. And just check their websites, uh, check their career section. They open and close their windows, so you might have to check back often. If you apply and you get rejected, apply again. I'm telling you, the recruiters make mistakes. They've hired some trash fucking people. Like, mm. I, ooh, some people that I've worked with are just rough. And you wonder how they made it through when I personally have friends who I wrote a recommendation letter and they didn't even get past the first round. Mm. So um, just keep trying. You know, every six months, reapply. Don't give up. Try all the airlines. Keep that attitude up. Um, for being a pilot, there's really two popular routes that you can go. One of them is like a, it's like a mill, like a puppy mill kind of school where they just like turn them in and out. And mm. um, it's a terrible word to say. Yeah, uh, I was like <laughs> but they charge you like $100,000 and you get your loan through Sally Mae and it's awful and they harass you for the rest of your life. And mm. um you have to like basically quit your job and move there and live on campus and you get all your ratings done really, really fast. And it's good because then you start working a lot quicker and like, bam, like within a year, two years, you're, you know, you're instructing and you're getting your hours and you're going to the regionals and you're making good money. And the regionals, like I said, are all giving a lot of bonuses right now to come fly for them. The other way to go, which is the way that I went, is called Part 61, and it's more like leisurely pace. It's whatever you want to do. It's a lot of like smaller independent schools or flying clubs, and you find an instructor or a couple instructors, and you just go at your own pace. So if you still need to keep a job or have a family or whatever else you need to do, you can do that on your terms and mm. um, you can go as fast or as slow as you want. You know, for me, it was COVID. So I went hard for like seven months straight until I got recalled back to the airlines. And so I got almost all my ratings done just as fast mm. as one of those um, mill schools. <laughs> and um, gosh, I, I, I joke that I spent a ton of money, but I actually didn't. I probably spent about a third of what I could have spent if I went to one of those. Um, That's amazing. In. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So I highly recommend looking at part 61 if you still want to have a life or, um, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with going all in and doing those crazy immersive programs. It's just, you know, do you want to take out the loans? And is that only, maybe your only choice? Maybe you have to take a loan because you don't have any savings or you just can't put it on credit cards right now. Um, so it really just depends on your individual situation. But um, yeah, if you can, you know, those are your two options. And that's part park P A R K, P A R T. So part sixty one, part one forty one. They're kind of same, same but different. Um, and you can find them at flying clubs or small airports around you. Um, like in Chicago, it might be like DuPage Airport or mm. um, Bolingbroke Clough or something like that. You know, they all have their own little schools. And the big companies, ATP is a really popular one. That's the one that's like a hundred grand. And then, of course, the airlines all have their own version of like a cadet program. And it's kind of the same thing as ATP, where you get a big loan. It's usually 85 plus, but you go to specifically partner schools and you train there. And it kind of gets you 
a step above the rest when you finish your ratings to get a direct interview to go to a regional. Mm. And uh, did you mention that there were scholarships available? Yeah. If, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah there's a group because that would be a good thing to join. So, too. yeah, there's um, there's a like women's flying organization called the 99s. And they have local chapters everywhere. And the local chapters have their own scholarships. And then the national organization has scholarships as well. So I had received a scholarship to pay for one of my check rides uh, with the Reno High Sierra 99s, um, which was awesome. So that's always an option. There's women in aviation. There's whirly girls. There's lift. There's, um, gosh, there's so much. And that's just for women. Of course, there's a bunch for men as well. There's organizations specifically for um, different minorities. I mean, there's you just got to look. They're out there. Some of them yeah. end up not even awarding anything because no one applied, which mm-hmm. is crazy oh. just to leave yeah. money on the table like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, don't go into it assuming you're going to get scholarships because they are competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I've spent 30 plus thousand dollars on my ratings and I got one scholarship for like a thousand dollars. Yeah. So um, I didn't apply. It still helped, you know. It totally helped, and I didn't apply as hard as I could have for a lot of them. Um, But you know, it's don't rely on it. It, They get really upset when they do award something to someone who didn't think things through, and then they just like drop off and never continue. And then Mm. it was like, well, someone else could have really used that. Right. Right. Cool. Joyce, do you have any other questions? Uh. Nope. Nope. I, oh, well, I, okay. So one, one last like small question, you know, the, the, the cabin pressure that like messes with your ears. Ooh. Any hot like tips on how to manage that? Oh, don't fly when you're congested. You can rupture something and it could be permanent. <laughs> Yikes. Ooh, I never thought of that. But uh, that's, yeah. that's a good tip. I've definitely been grounded in cities that I didn't live in because I flew with an ear infection and my ear couldn't clear itself and I could have perforated my eardrum. Um, (gasps) Yeah. But if it's like, you know, not not to scare everybody, but (laughs) if it's just like, you know, a little bit of an issue with clearing, um, try swallowing, try chewing gum. It's called like the Valsava maneuver. Yeah. You like, you close your nose and you blow out. Yeah. Or you like click your jaw. Like it's kind of hard to explain. We do that in diving too. Um, Yeah. Taking like a Sudafed or an Afrin or something before you fly. Um, For babies, um, if you are still breastfeeding or bottle feeding, put something in their mouth because the sucking motion will help them to clear. So if they're screaming on landing, give them something to, to suck on. Mm. Hot tips, hot tips. (laughs) It's funny. It sounds like the scariest thing that you talked about of all of the things we talked about was (laughs) flying with ear congestion. She's like, yeah, like only once was there any ever a problem, but ear congestion, you'll blow your eardrums. (laughs) We have two ears, you guys, baby them. Take very good care of them. Oh my goodness. Oh Oh my my God. Uh, Serena, thank you so much for joining us. This has been incredible. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. back we're back we're back with our little song it's this um so of course the first interview that we do after we both take jobs is like the one that we're both like wait what wait what (laughs) (laughs) i do i do i do hear what she's saying about like the inconsistency of your schedule that i i think that would be rough on me now like maybe I would have loved this this job in like my twenties. Totally. Yeah. But, like, like, but I, you're in your twenties because you just graduated high school. No, you're in. No, no we're you're, nineteen. You're, sorry, sorry. At most. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. I'm sorry, but uh, but you have all the energy in the world because you just yeah. graduated. So <laughs> yeah, maybe time to pivot. You know. <laughs> I, I think I gave myself away at the beginning of this when I was like, all I want to do is nap all the time. <laughs> hey, uh, high schoolers can like napping too. I oh. actually, um, I think this was always a thing with me. When I would wake up in the morning for high school, I would get up to go to the shower and then I would take a nap in the bathroom. <laughs> 
and fall back asleep and shower. Uh, so I'm just I don't I don't have a good morning routine. But that was so interesting, and it it, it is nice. really good to recognize kind of the sensationalized reporting yeah. on those big instances because everything yeah. with aviation that happens, whether it be something you know, bad with a landing or a passenger, like that's going to get reported on, but there's just thousands of flights going on. Um, yeah, and, and her, her story about people bringing her cookies and stuff like that, like, like the, it sounds like that happened more times than, than people being assholes, which is well, like so heartwarming. <laughs> well, especially during COVID. I remember I've flown like maybe two times, maybe three times during COVID and any time a flight attendant would come by me during COVID, I'm just like, yes, no, yes, mister. Like, I, I was just like trying to be like the goodest little passenger because I was like, I don't know what you've had to deal with. Um, oh and God. they, but um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, like that was when we were doing, you know, while we were doing this podcast, I was thinking like, you know, on Facebook, I would always see Serena like post things like I I don't often go on Facebook but like mm -hmm. that was always something that caught my attention I was like that's so cool you mean like, um, like traveling to certain traveling like, yeah uh -huh, uh -huh. yeah um but it's so cool that she's like starting this new startup yeah like and like she's making the transition to become a pilot like it, it does seem like there is I, I didn't realize that there was that big gap of people being able to navigate towards becoming a pilot because I didn't realize it cost that much to do the schools. Yeah, $100,000 for the, the the mill schools. I mean, that's like a doctor. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. um, But when you think about it, it's the doctor of the sky? <laughs> you, mean, you mean like the queen queen of the sky, queen right? Of the sky. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just – Look, I'm always going to be upfront about this. I made myself a drink at the beginning of this, and mm -hmm. I, I, I was already kind of like sleepy, and now I'm just kind of like. So the drink I made, I'm actually very proud of this. It's um, I put um, lime juice, orange juice, like from an orange squeezed, tons of soda water, and just like a shot of emp. Uh, Empress gin and uh, it's purple, oh. so it kind of like makes it look like this purple yellow drink. Ooh. Um, yes, but that I drank it. Really all. Pretty. It was very pretty, and it had alcohol in it, and so you should you should write a you should write a a book on cocktail recipes and have really pretty pictures in them because that's the best. It'll have to come after my fanfic, which I'm making oh, a funny. lot of strides on. Um, but that I, has to come after you become a flight attendant and then travel the world, right? <laughs> I don't know. I just started a new job, which I really like. Everyone's very cool. Um, so I don't know. I think I think fanfic first, okay. then then I see about. I mean, maybe I just need to take a trip. Um, to just get my wanderlust out of my mm -hmm. system, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Yeah, this was so this was so fascinating, super like, fascinating. Understanding how there's like different levels in the sky and like roads and paths that are like all kind of agreed upon. I and felt like I felt across like you're you're up north, I'm down south, but I felt like I felt your mind being blown when Serena was like, there's roads in the sky. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, like, like there obviously are. I just didn't think of it that way, which is why it was really cool. And I was so, I'm so satisfied. I like understand now what pilots do when we go into autopilot. They just put on oxygen masks and they just put on ignore. oxygen masks and avoid talking to each other. That's hilarious. It's hilarious. Cause I thought, I thought they were like, I don't know, like gabbing away or painting their nails or I don't know. They might be. They could be. They if could they're good be. friends. Yeah. It, but one person needs to wear the oxygen or something. So. Yeah. So one person just gets to unload all their trauma on the other. <laughs> Which As is they like, paint I guess their nails and talk into the radio and give updates. <laughs> yep. 
that's that's a that's a TV show waiting to happen. It's oh, a TV show. We're all in a simulation. All right. Um. Well, yeah. I guess. Um. Elon Musk, if you're listening. Um. Or Uber. Serena, if you're listening. Or who? Uber. Uber. Yeah. Uh, Serena should be your first pilot into space. That's all I'm saying. Um, but other than that, I'm clicking this little. No, it didn't work. Okay, there. <laughs> it sounds slower, doesn't it? I don't know. Doesn't it sound so, it might? I think that might be your fancy costume. <laughs> no. Is, wait, do you not hear it speed up now? Am I dying? Okay, this has been... Oh so what do you do? Thanks so much for listening. Check the show notes. Comment. Comment, on, comment below if you think it's, uh, it's slower. Comment Maybe below. I'm the one that's going crazy.